The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to, to Matthew. Jesus began to reproach the towns in which most of his miracles had been worked because they refused to repent. Alas for you, Chorazin. Alas for you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And still, I tell you that it will not go as hard on Judgment Day with Tyre and Sidon as with you, as and as for you, Capernaum. Did you want to be exalted as high as heaven? You shall be thrown down to hell. For if the miracles done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have been standing yet. And still, I tell you that it will not go as hard with the land of Sodom on Judgment Day as with you. My dear friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. Could there be a better psalm refrain for a mass of healing? I always say when we come to God as sinners, don't necessarily mean we've been out committing hands acts. Before we do anything evil, we come to God, even at our most righteous, even at our most holy. We never come to God and say, hey God, I'm self-sufficient today. I don't really need it, but it's good to see it. We just don't say that. We say, God, at every moment, always, I'm a creature of need. I'm just latent with gaps everywhere. And I desire you to utterly flood me, fill me to the brim. This is what it means to be a sinner and to come to God in need of his mercy. Come to God with your needs, any infinite number of them. We've been hearing from these really archetypal stories from Genesis just last week in the Revelationary. Jacob wrestling the angel and the brothers and their time in Egypt, all this. And now we've come to Exodus, the beginning of Exodus, and the beginning of Moses' story. And I love to look at these stories through the allegorical lens. We're looking for Christ, revealing these old characters. And therefore, when we find Christ, we find ourselves, because you are the body of Christ. Therefore, you are hidden in that story we just heard. Think of this, because this is part of the activity of the church. We come almost like a refugee, you know, to this dangerous world that we begin our journey in. We've got Moses' mum, and she knows she can't fly anymore. So she bundles him up in this safe little package and sets him on course. Then you've got his sister Miriam who sort of watches as he, he goes. Who's, where's he going? Who knows? You know? They can't control it. It's up to grace now. And they end up at the foot of Pharaoh's doorhouse. Thank God, because she can't provide for their needs. And she does. And something beautiful happens. She looks at the baby who is not hers. In fact, by all accounts, the child should look repulsive to her because she's an Egyptian, he's a Hebrew. And the Hebrews are slaves in this place. They're not looked at very well. But she looks at him and she says, you will be a son to me. I will treat you as a member of this house. In fact, you'll be a kind of king. 
prisoners. We come to the world as kind of refugees, the church follows them up as best it can. And then we are adopted. So that our God looks at each of us and says, You are my beloved son and daughter. You will be a little king, a little royal member in my in my uh, mansion, in my place of security. Um, this is what's happening. If that's us, then look at the next thing that happens. Because it's easy to misuse our Christian power, let's say. We're called to be prophetic in this world, to go out and speak the truth. And gosh, does the world need it. And at least it must. It's not going to hear it from anyone else ever anyway. We're called to wield the power of your lives in sharing that message more of us. Um, we're called also to offer sacrifice, and all our sacrifices count. From the littlest, uh, ascetical kind of sacrifices we make to the biggest, the most chronic. Um, all of them collect out, all of them do something, even if we don't see it. Look at Moses then. He's a young man, he goes out into Egypt, and he's already sort of uh, tried to arbitrate quarrels that are happening. And now he sees one between two Hebrews, and he's since discovered he's a Hebrew. And he sees them, and he, and he says, Brothers, you know, it's very fraternal what he says. What are you following about? You know, let's, let's put this to rest. But they know that he's already exercised us as very poorly in his heated anger and he's killed someone. So they turn to him and they say, Who made you king in this place? Who made you a prince of us? It's a good lesson to us. We have to tread this awkward road of going into the world as prophets, as royal members of God's household, as priests who offer very valid sacrifice. That takes a lot of integrity. You know, we're accountable to the way that looks to the world. It's an awkward thing as pastoral ministers, which all of us are. It's not just important what we do. It's important what we're seen to do. Don't take that as silly virtue signaling. It's not about putting on an act. But people will see us, and people will understand what they see. They might not understand fully, but they're going to take something away from what they see. Therefore, we need to be, in a certain sense, beyond reproach. We need to be able to go to our brothers and sisters and to say, there should be reconciliation here. There should be peace here. There should be integrity and wholeness here. And not get venom in return. Who are you? You hypocrite. Who are just as venomous and uh, caught up in your own troubles as I am. It's awful, isn't it? We go into the world as sinners, as missionaries to sinners. Therefore, we turn to the Lord in our need. We heal all that is broken in us. All that is broken, that's not a, that's not a, a debate. But we come to bring the world not our own bright ideas, the healing, restorative presence of Jesus among us, into whom we're baptized, into whose family we now belong, into whose world we're sent.